I'm doing that now. Sorry. <laughs> so, so anybody that's missed the first part of the recording, we've read chapter 48 and then we're just chatting. Um, but yes, I, I think that um, I would highly encourage anybody to, to go through, uh, now that we have like a, a good foundation in Isaiah to now go back and, and compare President Nelson throughout it. I mean, it's just, it's amazing the, the key instances. I mean, it's almost a spitting image of, of the Hezekiah story. And if we realize the, the impact and importance of King Hezekiah in Isaiah literature, that there's some, some very interesting uh, tie-ins there. But um, yeah, so any other comments on that before we go to like chapter 49? I was just going to say, you know, where it talked about his right hand, I can't remember which verse that was, but it, he's referring to the uh, end time servant, right? Right. Uh, correct. And then yeah. his left hand, that's the arch tyrant is what I was reading, right? Mm -hmm. Uh-huh. Yeah. So okay. the Lord has the okay. two hands. The, the right one's always the covenant hand. That's the... Um, the end time servant left hand is is how he bears his arm kind of a thing got it anyway it said something about he uh, you said righteousness and that's it too but no this was the right hand part oh it says he calls for him and he's right there or something i can't remember exactly how it's worded there yeah. Is my hand that founded the earth, my right hand that stretched out the heavens. When I when call, I them, call they them, they rise up once. So, yeah, I, I love that one. It, that again reminds me of, of President Nelson when he had the the priesthood uh, rise by um, office there in uh, his his one conference talk a couple of years ago. Mm -hmm. That was very impactful. All right, chapter 49. Um, let's see, where are we at? Um, so Elle and, and Darlene Henry, if you'd like to read or whatever, I, you're more than welcome to. Uh, let's see, so like five verses-ish. Yeah, I can start. All right, thank you. Hear me, O Isles, listen, you distant people. Jehovah called me before I was in the belly. Before I was in my mother's womb, he mentioned me by name. He has my name. He made my mouth like a sharp sword in the shadow and his hand. He hid me and he has made me into a polished arrow in his quiver. He kept me secret. He said to me, you are my servant, Israel, in whom I will be glorified. I had thought I had labored in vain. I had spent my strength for nothing and to no purpose. Yet my cause rested with Jehovah, my recompense with my God. For now Jehovah has set, hath said, He who formed me in the womb to be a servant, to restore Jacob to him, Israel have, having been gathered to him, for I won honor in the eyes of Jehovah when my God became my strength. Um, I hate this view on Zoom. I can only see so many people, but... Um, so we have uh, Darlene Henry and Jenna Owens, if, if you'd like to, to read. Um, so yeah, okay, Darlene now, Henry. Can you hear me now? 
Uh -huh, yep, so verses six through 10. He said, it is too small a thing for you to be my servant to raise up the tribes of Jacob and to restore those who preserved of Israel. I will also appoint you to be a light to the nations that my salvation may be to the end of the earth. I can't see the word. Thus says Jehovah, the Redeemer and Holy One of Israel. To whom, who is despised as a person, who is abhorred by his nation, a servant to those in authority, he shall rise up when they see you. Princes shall prostrate themselves because Jehovah keeps faith with you, because the Holy One of Israel has chosen you. Thus says Jehovah, at a favorable time, I have answered you. In the day of salvation, I have come to your aid. I have created you and appointed you to be a covenant of the people, to restore the land and reapportion the desolate estates, to say to the captives, come forth, and to those in darkness, show yourself. They shall feed along the way and find pasture on all barren hearts. They shall not hunger or thirst, nor be smitten by the heat wave or the sun. He who has mercy on them will guide them. He will lead them by springs of water. On my mountain ranges, I will appoint as girls. My highways shall be on high. Now, what does that say? <laughs> <laughs> There's a lot in there, isn't there? Um, let's see. Let's finish out the, the rest of the chapter, and then we'll, we'll come back and uh, really hit the, the topic. Um, let's see, how many verses are there left? 26. Yeah, let's finish that out. Um, so, Janet, if you would read um, 11 through, through 16 there. Okay. Um, all my mountain ranges I will appoint as roads. My highway shall be on high. See these coming from afar, these from the Northwest and these from the land of Sinem. Shout for joy, O heavens, celebrate, O earth. Burst into song, O mountains. Jehovah is comforting his people, showing compassion for his afflicted. But Zion said, Jehovah has forsaken me. My Lord has forgotten me. Can a woman forget her sucking infant or feel no compassion for the child of her womb? Although thee shall forget, I will, oh, I'm going to cry. <laughs> I will not forget you. Sorry. See, I have engraven you on the palm on my palms, I have sealed you to be continually before me. Sorry. <laughs> You're good. Yeah, these are some of the most poignant verses of, of all scripture right here. Jesus. Away. Those who ruined you shall depart from you. Lift up your eyes and look around you. With one accord, they gather and come to you. As as surely as I live, says Jehovah, you shall adorn yourself with them all as with jewels. Bind them on you as does a bride. So um, my connection is not very good. So 
if someone wants to take over, that's fine. Mm -hmm. Go ahead and read. For your ruins and ravaged places and your land laid waste shall now, shall now be too small for your inhabitants, despite the departure of your devourers. The children born during the time of your bereavement shall yet say in your ears, this place is too cramped for us, give us space in which to settle. And you will say to yourself, who bore me these while I was bereaved and barren? I was exiled, banished, by whom were these reared? When I was left to myself, where were they? Thus says my Lord Jehovah, I will lift up my hand to the nations, raise my ensign to the peoples, and they will bring your sons in their bosoms and carry your daughters on their shoulders. Kings shall be your foster fathers, queens your nursing mothers. They will bow down before you, their faces to the ground. They will lick the dust of your feet. Then shall you know that I am Jehovah and that they who hope in me are not disappointed. Can the warrior spoil be taken from them or the tyrant's captives escape free? Yet thus says Jehovah, the warrior spoil shall indeed be taken from him and the tyrant's captives escape free. I myself will contend with your contenders and I will deliver your children. I will feed your oppressors with their own flesh. They shall be drunk with their own blood as with wine. And all flesh shall know that I, Jehovah, am your savior, that your redeemer is the valiant one of Jacob. Yeah, I, I just love those, <laughs> this chapter 49, um, you know, the scripture mastery for a long time, I, I assume it's in the new doctrinal mastery as well for the seminary students, but um, some of the most poignant verses, yet I have never put them all into a, into context with, with each other and, and how it all uh, comes together. Um, there, what uh, Janet was, was reading here, I mean, those are some of my favorite verses of all time and um what does what uh answer does he give to um this this level of uh despair and uh hosanna here um he says that he will provide for them by um bringing up these foster fathers and, and nursing mothers and this is his his plan from the beginning so that uh, we are not left alone that we have uh, this this ladder to heaven we have these ministering angels all along the way and uh, those that perform davidic covenants uh, prepare the way for seraphim and jehovah himself to minister and protect and um do all of this uh, this mighty stuff in in the end times i think that it's such a, a powerful um i don't know powerful block of scriptures here that um i i'm sure that i'm only uh understanding even uh, a part of it but um what what all did you uh find in in this chapter that that stood out to you that um That, that helps push you forward in, in faith and hope? Well, I think that, Cameron, the um, whole of Isaiah is telling us that he will be there for us, that if we live up to our covenant, that he is bound by the Lord, I'm bound when you do what I say. When you do not what I say, you have no promise. But he is bound. And he, it has been so eye-opening to me. 
it has built my faith so much for the times ahead that we're going to face that he will be there for his covenant people. <laughs> what stood out the most studying um, Abraham and the blessings and covenants as President Nelson asked us to do was to recognize that Jesus is a deliverer. He will deliver. He will be there. He will lift us as we keep those covenants and those, those, um, those promises that we have made. He will keep his part. And I have to keep that forefront in my mind all the time. Otherwise, I probably would be a basket case. Um, yeah. Otherwise, so I'm, I'm grateful for those those challenges and words and, and faith and testimony that I have built. I, I can't imagine, I don't, I don't know, none of this is a surprise. I don't know if you guys feel like this. I feel like I've been preparing this for 15 years and none of it's a surprise. It's, it's a little slower than I thought it would happen. Um, but I, I am not taken by surprise by any of it. I'm saddened. Mm -hmm. But there's some things that's like, oh, man, <laughs> I didn't know that uh, it would play out that way for for that person or, or whatever kind of thing. But yeah, there's. Mm -hmm. It's not a surprise. Yep. But what stood out in those um, those pieces that we just read is um, just the, the nail prints in his hands. You know, I, I'm engraving you on the palms of my hands. That is so huge. Yeah, in the, the literary message of Isaiah, um, he talks about the, you know, the, the bifid structure, the chiastic structure here, and how this is the, the apex, the climax of, of Isaiah, is about the suffering and salvation aspects. Everything else is built up to this, you know, the ruin and rebirth, etc. But everything culminates in this. And these chapters delineate out why we need saving, why we need a savior to, to come to our aid. And then it, it outlines all of the, the possible opportunities for us as God's children to, to minister and, and be saviors to each other. So the son servant level, the seraphim level, and, and even Jehovah that pays the price for all humanity. And um, anyway, it, it's very, very hopeful, very peace um, uh, giving, I don't know what, uh, engendering to um, see all of the, the context that Isaiah has, has built up till now to, um, to this crucial moment for, for a savior, for Christ to, to suffer not only once in Gethsemane, but twice on the cross in um, enacting the biggest Davidic covenant on, on behalf of us all so that we can receive the protection that, that we need to, to escape death itself, that we can resurrect and um, make it back to his presence. And then he offers us the opportunity if we want, I mean, it's all due to agency, but if we want to, to rise on the ladder and, and willingly take on suffering like he willingly took it on, that we can be uh, saviors on Mount Zion, on the sun servant level and seraphim level. And uh, I'm, I'm just grateful for Isaiah and Avraham to kind of put together 
this uh, knowledge for us in the end times. I, I think it's just amazing. It's so crucial. It's so needed. And how long have I just kind of skimmed through Isaiah and not understood it and just moved on? Uh, but but not anymore. <laughs> well, I'm thankful to um, Isaiah and Abraham, but I'm also thankful to you, Cameron, because I never would have studied Isaiah like this and never understood it and um, studied it in the depth. So thank you. Uh -huh. Yeah, well, well, thank you. Because it's not where I was planning on going, but it was recommended. And I was like, okay, let's, let's do it. Um, it was kind of a, a nerve wracking thing because I'd never really understood or studied Isaiah. But thank goodness we, we have because it's so timely and so crucial to, to deal with specifically the stuff that we're going through these days. Like uh, Isaiah just has answers and, and a perspective for all of it. So yeah, uh, I'll put that right back on, on all y'all. Like, uh, thank you for uh, being here and uh, being part of the book club and stuff too. Uh, I don't, you know, I, I still try to figure out day by day, like what the Lord wants me to do and, and things, but um, it, it all kind of comes back to book clubs all the time. Uh, for some reason, uh, the Lord needs us to to really know and understand this stuff and uh, start helping build up the kingdom in, in those specific ways. Um, yeah, <laughs> it's an interesting journey. I used to read Third Nephi, where the Lord commands us to study by day Isaiah in depth and be so worried because I would try and read it and not get it. <laughs> Mm -hmm. And now I feel like I have a little bit deeper understanding. So this yeah. has been so helpful. Yeah, so very helpful. Yeah, like, you know, we're going to, to Triumph of Zion next, but I, I hope to, to kind of revisit uh, parts and, and aspects of Isaiah in the future as well. Um, because, uh, I don't know, it just fits into everything. Um, now, I... I've been kind of dabbling and going back through the, the blessings of Abraham book and oh man, it, it's opening up new avenues there. Uh, yeah, I, yeah. I didn't know that that's what you picked. I've had that's on my, I haven't read it yet. That's on my list or my staff. That's in my staff. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Triumph of Zion is, is our next one. Um, we'll be starting that just after conference. Um, but yeah, it, it's just amazing. Uh, how Isaiah fits into everything. It's just so crucial to understand him and how many prophets quote him and how many uh, reference him in some way because he was given a vision of all. And anyway, <laughs> there's just a lot there that, that is amazing. But, you know, everything points to Christ and, and what the end times look like uh, for us to, there's only two sides. They're saved, but two churches only, the church of the devil and the church of the firstborn. And so as we prepare ourselves uh, up that ministering ladder. Uh, it's quite the journey, <laughs> to say the least, isn't it, Mother? <laughs> I say that just because we're, we're gospel buddies, but um, there's, there's so many. It's, it's so difficult uh, to, to receive higher knowledge and, and start receiving trials of our faith on, on much deeper and, and pertinent levels especially as we start trying to reach out and, and bless our, our families and, and things. I remember a few years back uh, a visiting teaching message that we had 
And it wasn't until um, I was teaching that lesson that I realized that the, the atonement is really, there's two parts to the atonement. There's the, where he suffered so that he would know how to succor us. And then there's the part of the atonement where um, he suffered for our sins, the sacrifice for our sins. And it seems to me, I'm, I'm not sure, but it's seeming to me like that in Gethsemane is where he suffered so he would know how to succor us. I don't know if I'm all wet or not, but that's what it's seeming like. And and the, on the cross, it was for our taking on our sins so that we could repent for them. And, and I lost my thought just a second. But anyway, I think that's what this uh, thing about the suffering and the sacrifice is about is that two part of the atonement. Yeah, so let me read just a, a quick little paragraph here from the literary message. So I finally found it. Me and my mom were trying to find it all day today and it just wasn't working out, but I finally did. Um, so it talks about dual proxy roles. So there's two different, I mean, they're both proxy roles, but they're completely different. And so it says that Isaiah chapter 53 however, combines the proxy role of the Davidic king with the proxy role of animal sacrifice to establish the concept of the suffering figure's atonement for transgression. So there's, there's Davidic suffering, and then there's animal sacrifice suffering for transgressions. So if we take a look at, you know, the going like a lamb to the slaughter type of thing, that imagery of the animal sacrifice in the, the Mosaic law, and how that was fulfilled in, in Christ, and we no longer do animal sacrifices because of that uh, great and, and last sacrifice. But that never did take away Davidic sacrifices in any way, shape, or form. Those are, are still enacted. So Gethsemane is the Davidic proxy work, and the cross is the animal sacrifice or transgression proxy work. There's those two dual proxy works that are combined in Christ. Uh, we never have to, to do the, the transgression, uh, pain for, for people's sins part, like the, the animal sacrifice was. All we have to do, I, I shouldn't say all we have to do, because that kind of diminishes it. Not in any way, but what is now required of us is a broken heart and a contrite spirit, right? That we do that for ourselves. But we still, if we're saviors on Mount Zion, we do Davidic level proxy work. And um, so anyway, I think that that was a, an eye opener to me, the dual proxy relationship of the atonement, that that's why there's two parts to it. Um, you know, we, we've heard it said by many professors and it might even be over the pulpit, but I can't quote it, but that Christ suffered not only in Gethsemane, but again on the cross for, for the sins of the world kind of thing. Um, but they're, they're separate but equal kind of proxy rules that are, are being fulfilled. So isn't that the sacrament, right? 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. The blooding of Gethsemane and the, the bread on the cross. Mm-hmm. Is that right? Yeah, yeah, I think so very much. Yeah, we have lots of motifs there um, that I, it's kind of interesting because they've been there in front of us all of our lives kind of thing. I mean, if we, you know, kind of grew up in the church or whatever, I'm t- talking from my own, but um, sometimes the symbols around us are are given and we just become so comfortable with them that, <laughs> you know, we might not point them to uh, what they they go to until we have some some deeper knowledge and uh think about it so yeah we have the the sacrament those two parts in uh the tool two proxy works that that christ performed there all right anything else on uh chapter 40 49 before we um we probably can tackle one more chapter together what was in the assignment this week? I didn't get the remind, and I didn't look at it. Oh, yeah, that, that's my fault. When I was driving. Okay. <laughs> when I were busy, it's cool. It's cool. We appreciate it. Uh-huh. Yeah, so um, last week we had uh, part of, of this week's, the 48 and 49, and then it went through 53, I believe, for tonight. Just a second, let me bring it up. The 48, no, 49. Uh-huh. So 48 through 54. 48 through 50. Okay. Yeah. So it was quite a big reading section. So I put a couple of the chapters last week uh, to kind of even out the the reading load. But yeah, it's 48 through 54 is the second half of the Bifid structure there. So just a a general question, and you don't have to (laughs) um, answer if you don't want to, but are you finding the Bifid structure confusing or is it helpful? Um, I know for me, it, it's kind of a struggle, but um, do we need to, to kind of hash that out and talk about it more? Or are we understanding kind of where Isaiah is going through it? Um, <laughs> you know, Isaiah is hard anyway. And, and then we add a, a, a literary depth to it that, that makes it <laughs> even more so. But um, if anybody has any comments or anything on that, I, I'd be willing to um, listen to those and reformat kind of how we approach things if we need to. If you want to do an explanation of it again, that'd be really cool. If you want to bring it up and just like talk a minute or two through it. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Let me pull that up. I think we're on my phone and not finding it. I think I screenshot too much. <laughs> I know. Sometimes I have to like, I need to like tag and code all my screenshots. All right. So the Bifid structure. So bifid means split in two. It comes from a Latin word, uh, bifundus. Um, So we have the first half of Isaiah and the second half of Isaiah, but they mirror each other because there's um, equal and and opposite parts being portrayed in both halves. And so um, I've color-coded them here uh, for the, the seven parts of the chiastic structure. So we have a chiasm in the first half and a chiasm in the second half, but they go together. And so um, they're, they're kind of opposite ends of the, the spectrum here. So in, in the first part, we have ruin and, and rebirth uh, that are being split over the, the two halves. Then rebellion and compliance, where we see the, the stories of Ahaz and Hezekiah. Um, 
uh, being portrayed there. And then uh, we dive into punishment and deliverance um, that uh, or is there in yellow. And then the, the center point of the chiastic structure, but it's not the, the total crescendo of the uh, chiasm here. But um, we have humiliation and exaltation. And then in blue is the suffering and salvation. Then disloyalty and loyalty in the indigo and disinheritance and inheritance in the purple. So I don't know, it's, <laughs> sometimes it's kind of hard bouncing around all of these different chapters. But um, one thing that I really liked out of Avraham's discussion in a book this week, what was I listening to? I think it was End Time Prophecy, what I was listening to this week. But he gave it a, a great example of why we have literary structures to begin with. So uh, I'm trying to remember the quote verbatim, but I'm, I should just pull it out and memorize it. But um, what he says is uh, to, the, to the fact that through interpretations and, and taking prophets out of context and people proof texting scriptures to, to fit their narrative or fit what they want, uh, God protects scriptures by literary structures. So anytime that there's chiasms and, and parallelisms and, and all of these things, that's how God can protect the scriptures and we actually know what is being said. Um, so uh, if we're familiar at all with, with chiasms, um, let, let me pull up that chart again. So here in the ruin and rebirth, uh, you know, if we were to, to label this A, B, C, D, and then uh, go backwards, D, C, B, A, the A's are going to match, the B's are going to match, and the C's are going to match. And so if he says something confusing in the A, in a literary structure, the prophet is going to reiterate it and clarify it in the other A part of the chiasm. And so um, that's how we can, that's why we have these literary structures so that we can um, not proof text and actually know what the prophet's intent was, even though it might be confusing, but if you study the literary structure, then you know for certain what the intent was. Does that make sense? I don't know. I was kind of rambling over my words. I need to just go back and memorize what he, <laughs> he, he explained it very well there. So with President Nelson, if we read the footnotes, do we understand what he's saying more? <laughs> yes, read the footnotes and chart out his box in chiastic form and you'll see way bigger meanings to, to everything. But yes, footnotes is uh, a very helpful way to, I, I don't know, because like the, the footnotes don't fit in the chiastic pattern, but the talks are in chiastic pattern. Like me and my mom have studied some of President Nelson's talks chiastically, uh, along with other apostles and prophets. And most of them have some way cool meanings uh, when you study the, the chiastic patterns. They'll say something, but then if there's no other way that you would tie that paragraph to this other paragraph, unless you had it chiastically. And so um, I, what was that one that we were studying one time, mom, that talked about the, the ministering angels? Elder Anderson. Elder Anderson, yeah. After, um, 
Um, yeah, but something about fruits, right? Well, the talk was uh, about fruits. Or yeah, uh, but when President Nelson was president of the quorum, he had just been and he left after during the halftime and went to <laughs> to the to elder that died. Which one was that? What was his Hales. name? Elder Hales. But that chiastic thing in that one is that's where you convinced me mm -hmm. about chiasms. So President that, Nelson's talk? It, no, it's Elder it, Anderson's talk. Elder Anderson's talk about President Nelson leaving to go see yeah. the house. Yeah. I'm for that talk? Chat, right? Fruit? It's called Fruit. Yeah. The, the talk is called Fruit by Elder Anderson. If you chart it out chiastically, so there's the, the great chiasm of his talk, but then there's many chiasms within it. And if you'll chart all of those out, take the time and, and learn what chiasmus is and chart it out properly. There's lots of, of hidden meanings and everything. But one thing that's amazing is that Elder Anderson admitted that he wasn't totally prepared for that talk and he was kind of winging it to, to some extent. You know, like he had his rough outlines and stuff, but he was just speaking through the spirit and the spirit speaks chiastically. And so as you uh, go through it, it, it's an amazing talk. You can see when it clicked for him. Yeah. Uh, if you watch it back, because he's just kind of, he's saying some good stuff and everything, but then the, the meat of the top came together and it, it was just beautiful. Mm -hmm. But yeah, going through President Nelson's talks, I mean, they're always very rewarding looking at the footnotes. I, you know, that's like number one priority. Look at the footnotes because he says a lot of, um, uh, pretty plain things in, in those. But uh, another layer to, to go into is to, to chart out his talks chiastically. And uh, you'll see new patterns that uh, start to emerge there. Oh my goodness, I never thought to bring this to modern times. <laughs> yeah. it's, it's time consuming to say the least. I don't do it with every talk. I, I kind of have to just kind of discern and okay, which, which talks am I gonna take the time and, and really delve into there, but, but yeah. There's quite a few conference talks that are chiastic. Mm -hmm. For sure. And, um, you know, tying it back into Isaiah, Isaiah is speaking chiastically in some of the most masterful literature ever. Um, some of the stuff is so very confusing because it's written in code kind of, you know, like, He's writing literary styles are, are giving us a, a treasure map that we have to actually decode. So I, I find it so interesting as uh, Avraham titles his book, Isaiah Decoded, because that's exactly how he found the, the seven part structure is looking chiastically, looking at the literary pattern and, oh, there's a ladder to heaven here if you look at it the right way, you know? And so taking a look at Isaiah from all of these different angles, these different paradigm shifts is, it's a work of a lifetime, but um, uh, it's super crucial that we start understanding and, and looking at things <coughs> in the end times so that we can start navigating and knowing what's coming kind of thing and, and how to, to proceed, you know? Uh, and it, it seems like, <clears throat> 
Isaiah is such a genius to be able to do this. But what's happening, I I believe, I mean, he is very smart, mm -hmm. but he's allowing the spirit to, to work through him. Mm -hmm. What's yeah. going on? Like even, how? remember that one <coughs> state conference that we had, Mother? And we charted out all of the, the talks chiastically. And we, we asked ourselves at the beginning, we're like, okay, I mean, not trying to, to put anyone under the bus, don't get me wrong here, but we, we said, which ones were speaking most by the spirit, do we think? And so we kind of wrote down our answers and then we actually charted them out chiastically. And the ones that we thought were speaking by the spirit were the ones that actually ended up being very chiastic in, in structure. The spirit speaks in, in that poetic form uh, for our benefit, I think. That's my own personal thing. Do you I, record I, it? I mean, how did you do that? Just sitting there in conference or that's... Uh -huh, yeah, so... <laughs> so like, just like, taking notes. Yeah, trying to do it in shorthand so that we could get like almost a kind of a word for word uh, basis of a state conference. But, you know, it's not completely accurate, but, you know, definite chiastic patterns through it. Uh, that's so cool. Anyway, <laughs> sorry, I kind of got off there on a, a tangent, but no, um, I think that just was the, the literary message of Isaiah is so important to, to start. Um, if, if you find yourselves being mired down with um, chiasms or parallelisms or any of that kind of stuff, um, I, I highly recommend uh, taking it slow and, and really learning it and uh, start implementing some of that into your personal study because it's very eye-opening and, and rewarding, uh, especially in Isaiah, but, you know, all scripture as well. Um, yeah, any, any other final comments for the night before we head out? It can be on, on anything. It doesn't have to be, like, specifically on, on literary structures, but Did we talk about the Liahona? Did we talk about it? Did you... Like the magazine? Oh. Yeah, did uh, we talk about it? it did you it know that of... the center part is just for our area and you can't find it online? Did we talk about that? I, I don't think we did talk about it, no. I don't have the, the print version. So you'll want to get the print version because you cannot see it online. Hmm. <coughs> um, if you... So if you'd like, it's right here, the United States, Canada section. Okay. You cannot see this online at all. Huh. Not online. So there's talks in here. The first one, this is for August, for the center section. Mm -hmm. This is um, the importance of preparation. Preparation, and it's, um, the page number is U2. If you look at August, Leahona. Gotcha. And then the next article is when Alzheimer's disease and other dementias hit home. And then um, weaving Emma's tablecloth, the Lord's law of health, another one. You just can't see these online. Hmm. Yeah, that's very interesting. Thank you for pointing that out. Have yeah, to, well, um, it took me to August. It's in all of them. So when you're in Utah and you can grab up these at the bookstore, you might want to grab the, the old copies. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 
I guess you could do that in, in Idaho too. We just can't do that here. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, our Deseret book might have those. Yeah, I'm sure they probably do. We have one there by our temple in Twin. Yeah, every every one of them has that in the middle. And I have to tell you, I haven't been so good about reading my Liahona because I'm studying Come Follow Me and I'm studying <laughs> there. Yeah, I'm right there with you. And I, I just want to share that I have a testimony of the church magazine answering prayers in the past. And I can't believe that I have done that, neglected it. But then when someone pointed out that this is just for our area, I was like, what? And the other thing I found on the church website is we have our own area preparedness guide. Have you found that? Yeah, somebody pointed that out to me the other day. I thought that was very interesting. I hadn't noticed that before. Yeah, so this is the Southeast and it's 24 pages. And if you look at like Asia or something, it's like two paragraphs. Mm -hmm. It's yeah. different from different areas. And that was put out in 2020. And I had just found that. Really? Mm -hmm. huh. oh. And all the update, I don't know how we have time to read anything because <laughs> I know I'm I'm struggling just staying afloat. Right? I mean, I, I really have <coughs> even my my Facebook stuff was just gospel related stuff until it started getting bombarded with this other issue. I just had to turn it off. It's not even happening right now. I just yeah. can't. Um, anyway, there's, I'm grateful to have so many different, but all the same preparedness. Mm -hmm. For sure. Yeah, we are, are definitely being led by inspired leaders. Uh, no doubt. We've got lots of changes and more coming. I remember, who was it? Was it Nelson and Bednar and Holland? Somebody like, uh, talking about the changes that President Nelson had made, and they're like, "Oh, these are just snowflakes in the snowstorm. Like, <laughs> there's a lot more coming." It's like, "Yep, let's let's do it." <laughs> right. Uh, yeah. Our temple is going to be closed November and December now. Your temple is. Mm -hmm. Yeah, ours is closing. Um, what was it? September through November. Yeah, you're muted, but um, it's like mid-September through just the first part of November, something. Yeah, we just got started. I, <laughs> I know, ours was closed and we had to drive to the Columbia, South Carolina temple, then COVID hit, and then we were open, well, before, so between um, South Carolina and COVID, there was about four months that we could go to the temple, and then COVID hit, and now there's just like two months that we could go, or I guess three months, and then we're going to be back in the temple for two months. I just did that too. Uh, Portland was open for just one month and then it closed just for two weeks. So it opens up again on Tuesday. Yeah. And, and it's, booked, it's booked out clear through September, but um, you can get in <laughs> if you just kind of stalk the site in the mornings. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Does it show yeah. up? On the site or do you have to call the office and try to get in it shows up on the site but i've also learned this is my tricky way i got to go to the temple four times last month 
And I, I told my state president how to be tricky and get people in. Just sign up to do ceilings because you can always get into those really easy. And then I just kind of went and I'm like, oh, I drove a long way. Can you sneak me into a session? And they do. <laughs> nice. So that's my sneaky advice. <laughs> they have every time. And so Friday is ceilings. And they always reserve like the midday for uh, live, like someone's going through getting ready for their mission or something. And so they just go ask them, is it okay if you have two more people come in? And they say yes. <laughs> They've mm. said yes for us. Yeah. So anyway, that's my sneaky advice. <laughs> I love it. Thanks for sharing that. You're welcome. <laughs> My stake president, he's like, I'm going to tell everybody what you're doing. I said, great. Well, I a, lot of, yeah. a lot of people think they can't get into the temple. Yeah. And that's just not true. Like, my daughter went five times last month, you know, just no, she, you can go if you have the to go. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Anyway. When, um, when I did an endowment, there was only like 12 of us in there. And they, are they just only letting so many in? Yeah, that the one endowment we went in, it looked like it was two missionaries going in, and there was only maybe 20 people in there. Hmm. I think they should fill it up. Yeah, so our temple started off just doing half occupancy, and then, you know, within a week, they opened it up so it it was packed, but now they're starting to limit it again with, uh, uh, I don't know, it's about three quarter occupancy for the seats. And it must be state by state according to yeah, politics, so. maybe too. Maybe. Yeah. Yeah, Idaho, we're just repeat offenders, I guess. <laughs> You're rebels. <laughs> You're awesome. All right. Well, we will catch everyone next week. <laughs> it's going to be a, a fun one diving into a new section after this one. But, uh, well, share your notes of Education Week. And Darlene, why aren't you yeah. with Karen? <laughs> it's like, You're oh, muted. I want to be. You're still muted. We're babysitting his dog and our dog. And I, uh, also found out that they're requiring masks for, and I, I have a hard time wearing those masks. I get kind of like panic attacks and stuff with the claustrophobia anyway. And I, it just, I don't know, kind of an anxiety thing. Uh, we had to go back to wearing masks today at church. Yeah. Like, oh, but we'll let you sing. Anyway. <laughs> We're, we're back almost locked down again. <laughs> um, but yeah, hopefully I'll have lots of good things from Education Week. We'll see if we can condense those down into a good <laughs> synopsis for you. Oh, yeah. thank you. Yeah, it's been fun. <laughs> we'll catch everyone next Sunday. Yeah. Have a great week, everyone. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Bye. Bye.